Hi, this is John. And today on Theocast, we have a special guest with us, Daniel Emery Price. And we brought Daniel on the podcast so we could talk to him about a lecture he did recently at the Here We Still Stand conference on the importance of creeds. Normally, when we hear that word, we hear things like no creed but Christ or no creed but the Bible, or I really don't need creeds and confessions. I have my Bible. And it's a, it's a lively conversation. It's a helpful conversation to help the believer think about the importance and the reality of looking to a historic faith, specifically when it comes to the creeds. We hope you enjoy. And in the unfiltered, we take some of your questions from the Facebook group. Very helpful, specifically concerning what modern day teaching is actually denying the very creeds that have been taught for the last several hundred years. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed perspective. Our hosts today are Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Jimmy Bueller, pastor of Christ Community Church in Wilmer, Minnesota. And I'm John Moffat, pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And today we have a special guest with us today, fourth man on the mic, is Daniel Emery Price. Welcome, Daniel. It's good to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I've been I've been uh, listening. I've been like binging some of your episodes. So I, I do a lot of work <laughs> where I can have stuff playing in the background, and uh, so I've, I've I've gone back. Uh, I think I've listened but, to. I just, I don't know. I might be the only guest that's ever done this. I don't know. Maybe not. But I think I've listened to every episode <laughs> with this lineup. Oh wow! Oh okay. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think so. Wow. I think so. There you go. That's pretty impressive, man. <laughs> I know. That is impressive. I don't even know how many episodes that is. That's back in, I guess, August is when we started. So yeah, it's, a mean, little bit about not, Daniel. It's not, it's not that impressive. It's not that many. Guys, you, this lineup's not been around that long. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's true. Well, it's not like long at all. 15, 18, 20, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit about Daniel. Daniel is the director of Christ Hold Fast. We had the opportunity to meet Daniel recently at the 1517 conference in San Diego. He was gracious enough to uh, give us some tickets so we could come out there and participate in that, which he also participates in as a conference speaker. And he's the co-host of two podcasts that we recommend quite often at Theocast, which is 40 Minutes in the Old Testament and also 30 Minutes in the New Testament. And uh, in the past, Daniel is a church planner, pastor, worship leader, and currently lives in Arkansas with his wife, Jessica, and daughter, Anna. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... Yeah, so we were, all three of us are church planners, so I'm sure that you have all kinds of stories that you could share with us sometime. We'll need to bring you on the podcast just for that alone. I was ta- I was, I was actually meeting with a guy yeah, we- just yesterday about church planning and uh, trying to convince him not to do it. And, uh, because, <laughs> yep. because, well done. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, right. a, I was telling him, I was like, listen, man, the, you, the, no one wants to tell you this, but there's a certain kind of guy that can plan a church. And you have to figure out if you're that guy. And the way you do that is you it ask is yourself this question. Could I start a cult? And if the answer is yes, you can plant a church. Right. <laughs> because a church, planner is, a church planner is a guy that could start a cult, but doesn't because he's orthodox. That's right. There you go. That's, I mean, that's, that's certainly a wow. way to define it's it, I guess. That's pretty good. I don't know if that makes me encouraged or discouraged. <laughs> nah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, you better I'm, be, an agree- I'm just in agreement, basically. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm just saying, <laughs> right. cult leaders are de- are dedicated, man. They're they're willing to, to go at all all cost, man. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, they're they're dedicated, and true. people gravitate to them, and all that stuff. Yeah, and you got they're charismatic, yeah. all that stuff. And, uh, That's right. It's, it's it's true, man. There's a lot of dudes that can be pastors, and uh, and a church planner certainly needs to be a pastor, but not all pastors can plant churches. Uh, it's That's that is right. that is a whole different thing. That's right. That's true. Hey, Dan, tell us a little bit about your two podcasts that you're doing right now. So one with Chad Bird and one with Eric. Just uh, listeners may have never heard of them before, but maybe give like a you know five second advertisement for each and kind of what you guys are trying to accomplish with both of those. Yeah. So the they're they're both uh, exegetical podcasts essentially. So uh, so forty minutes in the Old Testament is where me and Chad uh, go through the, starting in Genesis, and we're just working our way through the Old Testament. Probably take us the rest of our lives. To do it, uh, we are we are currently in Joshua. We've been at it for years, and uh, and we're in Joshua. But uh, yeah, it's basically a way to to try to one like just kind of explore the the scriptures together, but also help people learn how to read the Bible with a law gospel hermeneutic and also a, a Christ centric hermeneutic, right? So we're we're trying, yes. particularly yeah. in the Old Testament podcast we're really trying to pull christ out of every text and kind of show people how that works and um and so that's what it is uh it's 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 uh, our attempt to to kind of help people learn how to to read the bible in that way uh the new testament podcast is is the same uh sort of thing so we're, we're we go it's it's won't take the rest of my life to do that one thankfully it's uh it's smaller <laughs> even though it's 10 minutes shorter but the um it's the same thing. So we're, you know, and it, it, we're, we've gone through several different books, but just showing how, uh, how Christ is the center of all this stuff, you know? And so it, I, I, our hope is not, is to yes, you know, get people biblically literate, but also just to, to kind of show them how to, and we've had lots of res- like emails and, and, and comments on this that, man, uh, I started listening to the podcast and now I, now I, it's really changed the way I read the Bible. I can't help but see these things mm-hmm. everywhere yeah. now. So that that's really what we're going yeah. after. And Eric, who's Eric Sorensen, is your co-host for thirty minutes. He's a church planner as well, isn't that correct? Yeah, he he's a church planner in New York City, yeah, in uh, Manhattan. Yeah, yep. yeah. We need to get Eric on the on the podcast. And then you guys, the two of you, recently had a book come out in the last year. Is that correct? Or two years on? Is that Parables? Yeah. So uh, so Eric and I wrote a book together called Scandalous Stories, uh, a sort of commentary on parables. Uh, we we couldn't decide mm-hmm. if it was a commentary or a meditations thoughts exegesis we didn't know what it was so we went with sort of commentary on parables and uh yeah so it's it's basically we don't cover every parable jesus ever uh, ever told but we cover uh, a handful of of them and uh sort of also having I mean, the same kind of stuff that we're always doing with with exegetical stuff i'm really kind of an exegetical guy and the, and it's really to show uh how, how misunderstood the parables are and and our my argument in the book is that the parables are scandalous stuff they are offensive to everyone uh, for one of three reasons either they're offensive because of yeah. just outright what he says or he offense they're offensive because of who he says it to or they're offensive because where he says it uh but no one gets out of the parables unscathed uh they, they are they are to show you how uh how the kingdom of god really works uh which is yeah. not like anything that we've ever thought of so yeah and you can yeah, pick that up stuff. at anywhere amazon you know, uh, you can go to 1517, uh, that's who published it and it's, uh, it's over there as well. Yeah. We'll put a, we'll put a link in the show notes to the book. We should, we need to, guys, we should have you and Eric come back on just to interview on that book. That'd be, oh, that'd yeah. be yeah. a good podcast. Be cool. oh. and, and a church planting podcast would be fun. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah we've got sure. a we've got a lot to say about the parables. So. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, it was well, a helpful little book. A specific... I, I read it. It was good. Yeah. Actually, that's the first time I heard about Daniel was from Jimmy. He called me one day and said, "Hey, I just heard of this. Are you? I think you just read the book. I read. And the you book, said yeah. we should interview this guy. Yeah. So there you go. We're not going to interview you on the book today, though. Yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. But I appreciate. I appreciate it, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, no, today is a little bit different. We uh, were able to go to the conference back in October, and Daniel opened up the conference with a lecture on the creeds. And after the end of the lecture, I leaned over to Justin and Jimmy. And I said, we, we really, I think our listeners would benefit greatly about hearing this. So, Justin, why don't you give us a little bit of an overview of where, where we're going and what we're doing, and uh, then we'll, we're going to queue it up for, for Daniel with some questions. Like John said, when we were out in California for the Here We Still Stand conference and Daniel gave the opening talk on creedal Christianity, I think we all agreed that we needed to get him on the show and talk about this stuff. Because I know it's, it's our conviction here at Theocast, and, and Daniel, I know you agree that the church really isn't that creedal anymore. And by creedal, we mean primarily the ancient creed, starting with even the Apostles' Creed. And I know on our, our podcast regularly, we talk about a, a confessional perspective because the church is not very confessional these days either. And I think we would all agree that if you were to ask the average Christian in the church, in the evangelical church in America particularly, what do Christians believe, you would get a whole host of answers, and not many of them would be very good. I mean, people would start talking about Jesus for sure, but then if you press further about Christ, you would get a mixture of things, and many of them not great and not even biblical. And so we're going to talk today about the creedal faith and what that means, what that entails. And eventually where we're going to take this conversation is how this creedal faith that we are to believe, trust, rest in, actually makes it possible for sinners to find rest in Jesus. And so we look forward to having this conversation. Daniel, your talk was great, man. I know we were all encouraged by it, and we look forward to this conversation today. So I, I, maybe you could just start us off, brother, by, by talking about your perspective on this, even with where you began your talk out in California on the fact that the church isn't very creedal anymore, observations that you've made, things that you've seen. Yeah, well, I, I think I would start by saying, uh, so I mean, you guys are, are, uh, would all consider yourself Reformed. Uh, I would consider myself a Lutheran. So those, are two, those would be two sure. different uh, confessions uh, but the the reason that I know that you're my brothers is because we would both agree on the common faith or the historic faith, the faith right. that the the when you when you boil down like what is orthodoxy, uh, you mm-hmm. have you have the creeds for this, right? And so you sign off, right, on them, right, I yeah. sign off on them. So so I know that, exactly. that that we're the same in that sense, right? So like you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, we're brothers, we're all part of the the universal church, right? Uh, so we might belong to different church bodies. Uh, and yeah. and when you go down the list of parsing out some of this doctrine, there might be some differences then. Uh, but as far as the common faith of what is it that Christians believe, we're all in agreement here. So so in this sense mm-hmm. that uh, we're we're creedal Christians first, uh, and then and then confessional believers uh, uh, secondly, right? So mm-hmm. so I, I, sure. I so I, I I have like my own church's confession. But this is uh, underneath sort of the, the banner that comes first, which is I'm a, is I'm a creedal Christian. Right. Um, so creedal and then confessional. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so what, what your confessions and my confessions would both affirm are the ecumenical creeds. Like they both right, have exactly. it in there. They're, they're like, this is like, 
this is like the bare bones basic stuff. This is what all Christians everywhere believe, confess, and teach, right? So yeah. uh, the, right. the issue that you have now, it seems, is that uh, if you go around to, to most churches, uh, you, could, you could even go website surfing. You'll find like no, no creed or even like an affirmation of, of a historic Christian faith anywhere, you know, uh, they, they'll have, they might have like a, they might have a, what we believe and they'll have some statements on there about what they believe, but there it's like an afterthought. They, I, I doubt it's even considered to say, Hey, should we put that, you know, that we, that we adhere to the, the you know, the apostles creed, would that be a good thing to put on there? Uh, no, instead it's just, yeah, right. we believe in the Bible and, uh, and then, you know, they have some other stuff, you know, uh, you know, some stuff about marriage right. or something, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. You're right. You know, uh, you know, church sure. polity. In times, man. You always yeah. have to have something on there about in times. <laughs> yeah. 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 You have yeah. something, you have something yeah. about eschatology on there. And, uh, and so, yeah. And, and what, one of the examples, I mean, this was like a comical thing that I, I did at, at the conference, but uh, I think a good, a, a sort of practical example of this and uh, that, that everyone can see is sort of the church marquee. Right, like because the the church marquee is something that presents something to the world, and and people put are putting little mini statements of faith or or little creeds like on on a marquee, uh, and most of the time they're either punny and ridiculous and embarrassing in that way, but sometimes they're just downright horrific, uh, where mm-hmm, sure. they're they're confessing things that is the last sort of thing you would want an unbelieving world to say the church believes. And so one, one of the sure. problems, yeah, I mean, like if you think about the reputation of the church with the world, I think that some, some Christians revel in this fact that like, well, the world's going to hate the church. You know, they're going to hate the church. That that's, that's true uh, to it in a sense. I mean, Jesus does say like, they hated me, they'll hate you, but you want to be hated for the right reason. Right. Exactly. I, I mean, I, and so, like, he says that they hated me and they persecuted me they'll do the same thing to you. So if they're going to hate you and persecute you, and if the world is going to stand against the church, you want them to stand against the church because the church is doing what Christ did. It, you, but if you ask, if you ask the world, like, what's the church about? They'll, they'll tell you they're about, you know, especially in this country, I mean, I'm speaking from an American context, but you know, uh, evangelicalism is just a voting block. Uh, they will say that the church wants to regulate everything that you do. Uh, they all they want you. They want to tell you everything that you have to abstain from. They want to uh, that everything boils down. And this is where we get something like the moral majority, and this is the reputation the church gets, right? And right. That, that the church is about do's and don'ts, shoulds and shouldn'ts. That's what it's about. Like the church is about controlling how you live. There's nothing about. It'd be. I would be shocked, and I've done this before. And never have I had any person say this. If I go to, if you go to ask somebody that maybe doesn't go to church. Or even people that do go to church, like what is the what is the Christian church about? They will never say the forgiveness of sins. Mm. Like that's like that's mm-hmm. a forgiveness right. outpost. That's what that is. That's like yeah. that's an absolution right. hub. That's what's going on there. Like if you if you if you need <laughs> right. to get if you need to go get your stuff forgiven, you go there. That's what they're about. Or they're about they're about you know uh, teaching you how to be right with God. That none of this stuff. They will say it's behavior mm-hmm. modification. It's all this stuff. And and. I, I am a sort of connecting these dots then to uh, that part of the problem with that is that we have lost the ability to articulate what the Christian faith is in its most basic fundamental sense because we're just not creedal anymore. 
I mean, there was a time in the church not that long ago uh, in, in the scope of history when people could do this. And, and that even oh. the world knew that that's what the church was about, that the church was about reconciliation with God and this sort of thing. Right. Um, even if you weren't interested in that, you still knew that that's what was going on there. Uh, but mm-hmm. this is also because people could explain this to you. They, I mean, th- th- this was like foundational. Uh, I th- and if I, I think that part of the reason we lost it is, um, it, you know, part of it was that we, there's a, this shrugging off uh, in the reformation, like, well, it seems kind of Catholic. I mean, I mean, for, I mean, even the original creed has the word Catholic in it, you know, like the, the Holy Catholic yeah. church. And like, that's, so like maybe, maybe that's right. one of the things we should get rid of, you know, we don't need that. We got, we got the scriptures in, the, in our own language. Now we'll just, we don't really need these creeds and that kind of stuff. And this gets exacerbated even more when you have like sort of the, the, you know, the first and second grade awakening and everything becomes a little more subjective and revivalism kind of takes over and, and everything then becomes Christ in me and everything becomes right. a personal relationship with Jesus and this kind of stuff. Then, then this sort of like attachment to a historic faith in a, in a larger church, it just, just becomes something that's an afterthought until, yeah, it only takes a couple of generations until you've just forgotten it all together. I mean, no, the, the, one of the ways that, that this was preserved was by teaching kids the creed and catechisms and this sort of stuff. Well, I mean, how, what percentage of church catechizes children anymore? Um, and so certainly I do. That, I do. Well, there you go. You do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, we do but, too. But it's no, it's no accident that every tradition, right. That has a catechism has the creed in it. Yeah. yeah. There's no creedless catechisms. You know what I mean? But as you chuck right. the catechism, yeah. you what? then like are removing that from an entire generation. When we yeah. even we confess the Apostles' Creed in Nicaea regularly, yeah, like in our corporate yeah. gatherings, yeah. yeah, amongst other things, right? Yeah, dude, it wasn't right. that long ago that uh, I mean, in, in this and this is thing. I mean, like, if you were to say to you know Luther or Calvin, uh, any any of the reformers, hey, what would you think about like just like not reciting the creed? Uh, they they, <laughs> they, they would be like, what are you in? Like, what are you talking about? Like, what, do you, what, do you yeah. what do you mean we're not going to recite the creed? Right. Like, this, yeah. this, would, this would not. Right. This was not even up for debate. You know, I mean, this wasn't part yeah. of the, this sure. wasn't part of the Reformation to get rid of that sort of thing. We are excited to announce that we have a new free ebook available at our website called "Faith Versus Faithfulness: A Primer on Rest." And we, the host, put this together to explain the difference between emphasizing one's faith in Christ versus emphasizing one's faithfulness to Christ. And how one leads to rest and how the other often to a lack of assurance. And you can get this at theocast.org slash primer. And if you've been encouraged by what you've been hearing at Theocast, we'd ask you to help partner with us. You can do that by joining our Total Access membership. That's our monthly membership that gives you access to all of our material that we've produced over the last four years. Or simply by donating to our ministry. And you can do that by going to our website, theocast.org. We hope that you enjoy the rest of the conversation. Yeah. So, Daniel, you kind of mentioned this already, but a question, I guess, for you would be, what do you think the modern resistance is towards creedal Christianity or even reciting creeds? Uh, as Justin said, our, our church, we also recite the Apostles' Creed. I, I mean, I would say almost every other week. So what would you say... What elements do you think kind of freak people out, just to use kind of layman's terms, that people can be scared of it 
or whatever. You know, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but kind of hammer on that a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think it's the fear of dead orthodoxy. Uh, so I, orthodoxy has this this uh, reputation, mm-hmm. or they, at least there's a fear attached to it of it being kind of rote. Like I don't want to like like you anybody could just recite that it doesn't mean anything. Like you know, we it's need cold we need and a, lifeless. Yeah. yeah, we we need a living yeah. faith. Um, and this is why yeah. like one of the arguments you'll hear is deeds, not creeds, which by the way is like the worst creed ever. <laughs> it's also a creed. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, it's a terrible creed. Which, which is also a creed, right? It's exactly right. Yeah, which and I think I can't remember where someone pointed it out, but if you listen to the creeds, there is no do or deeds in them. Yeah, so I talked oh, about John. I, yeah, I talked about this in my talk. Like I think one of the resistance to the creed also is that it doesn't give you anything to do, it only gives you something to confess. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and we and don't believe, like, right? Yeah. 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 It, it, it is not do this. It is believe this. And this is, and this is the thing about the, a statement like deeds, not creeds is that you're literally saying do don't believe. Mm-hmm. So right. you're saying, you're saying, right. you're saying do like, uh, act, don't just believe or, and, and this, and this is the thing is that, that we aren't, we are actually saved by faith, uh, and, and faith that con- this faith right. confesses what it has what it is attached to what it believes right um and so the, the i think that's part of it is that there's this fear that it could be uh i mean i used to hear this term all the time growing up dead orthodoxy oh yeah yeah and so it yeah. was it was just like you know like you, you, like if you walk into like an episcopalian church or something they're like oh it's just a bunch of people in there and, and like they, they, they didn't like that was just another way of saying liturgy is not useful because it's not from the heart, right? It's like, it's the same resistance people would have to like written prayers, right? Mm. Like, well, like God doesn't want that. Like you want, mm. you want to have a prayer that just flows out of your heart. And I don't have a problem with you, with, with you praying on the spot, you know, and, uh, and feeling led to be, you know, to pray or whatever. But I certainly don't have a problem with written prayers either. I mean, like I'm a fan of the Psalms, man. Like, and I think that right, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's some things in there. Exactly. That are, are there's, there are prayers. I mean, like, I mean, I'm not I'm not a Episcopalian or, or a member of the Church of England or anything, but uh, dude, if you never read the Book of Common Prayer, dude, like there's some words in there that would be good for you to put in your mouth. Uh, right. Absolutely, and that and that you will not put in your mouth without the help of somebody else. Like somebody else has thought of these words, and like you read some of these things, and you're like, that's exactly the words I was looking for. Uh, that's right. And, and I think and I think that the issue is that, and I think the creed is the same way. Um, these are, it's good to put uh, what others have, like others have thought through this and they've like, they've, they've figured out how to articulate this faith. It's good to put those words in your mouth. I don't know who, I don't know who we think we are that we can, that we can, uh, that we're so much smarter and we've, and we, and we have, this, we have the spirit so much stronger that we just come up with our own stuff, you know? Uh, That's right. I, mm, I, I yeah. cannot improve upon the creed. You know, I don't, no. I have not, I have not, right. I have, as of yet, I have not come up with a better confession. Right. When <laughs> even the statement that it's the faith once for all delivered to the saints, I mean, we ought not think we can improve it. Well, right. Yeah. And the yeah. Idea, yeah. yeah. I mean, the Apostles' Creed, for instance, is pulled from the Apostles' teaching. Now, some people will also say, like, man, you're talking about the Creed like it's the Bible, man. You know, it's not, it's not the Bible. You know, it's not the Word of God. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, the example I use is, yeah, the moon's not the sun, but it's a pretty good job reflecting it. Uh, it's where it's getting all that light. <laughs> reflecting like, that light, yeah. Yeah, That's I right. mean, like yeah. all the light in the moon is coming from the sun. And so the creed's not the Bible, but all the truth it is it is conveying is pulled from the creed. I mean, it's called the Apostles' yeah, Creed because, yeah, they developed it to articulate 
the the faith handed down by the apostles. Right. Yeah, Justin Holcomb wrote, I think, a really helpful book. If someone's just wanting like an introduction to the creeds, he said it's knowing the creeds and the councils. He has a little phrase in there that he said, I, th- I thought it was helpful. He says, to ignore these insights is to attempt to reinvent the wheel and to risk reinventing it badly. Mm-hmm. As to That's assume right. that the guys before you didn't exactly. do a good enough job, that the church has affirmed now for how many hundreds of years. Uh, you know, one of the things that most people don't realize is that revivalism was really kind of the the first movement to ditch this because in their mind, they were thinking yeah. the church is dead. We need to revive the church. And what ended up happening is elders and 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 pastors didn't hold to the responsibility of educating and, and teaching their church, their flock, and the foundations of the faith. And it did turn into what we could say is a dead orthodoxy. And what they did instead of going back to grounding people in their faith, they started to motivate them to go and do something. And so this is where revivalism came all about, an emotional movement. Your assurance, your standing before God all became based upon your actions and your emotions. It's about your emotions, but it's also about moral transformation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I grew up in this world where there was a fear of the ivory tower that if you, you they, their fear was if you spent more time studying doctrine, that more people would die and go to hell because you were more worried about crossing your T's than you were getting people across the line, which always seemed like a weird a metaphor to me, but that's where the fear came from. Yeah. It, 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 uh, and you're, it also like misplaces your assurance because it, it, it ends up, what you end up doing is, is you place your insurance, your assurance not in what you are, what you confess or what you believe, uh, mm-hmm. and particularly what what you believe about who Christ is and what He's done for you, mm-hmm. uh, and instead, then your assurance is then placed in, uh, in either a conversion experience. Uh, so this is a big revivalism thing, right? Um, or the genuineness of your faith as present, uh, presenting itself by transformation and this sort of thing. Uh, and so mm-hmm. it, it's really dangerous mm-hmm. for assurance because uh, we are supposed to be assured by, like, I mean, the, Paul says this, like, uh, if you confess with your mouth, right? Uh, I mean, I mean, in Revelation, you have, they, 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 you have Jesus saying, to, hey, um, these people are saved by the, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and like, and we think that's like our testimony of how Christ saved us. But what this, what this word right there means, like by the word of their confession, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is how that we should, we should be understanding this. Um, and so it's it's we are saved by the blood of Christ and what we confess about that, right? Like, right. like this is like Christ's blood is there, and then we confess with our mouth that we believe that that is for us, for our forgiveness, for right. for our salvation. Amen. Right? So, so this is this is yeah. something that we confess to be true, uh, and so yeah, these things are important. I mean, all the time that, that you know, you had this. Um, this is really back in the seventies and stuff too, uh, when like sort of Jesus people stuff took off, and uh, and you had this sort of uh, um, spiritual but not religious thing, um, mm-hmm. which drives me nuts uh, because I'm like way more religious <laughs> than spiritual. So like I'm like on the opposite end of this stuff. Like I like I'm I'm the kind of guy who's like, no, I'm a pretty religious person. I and I, I understand when people don't like the word right. religion. Um yeah. but it's I, been I, ruined for many people, sure. It's been ruined for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I personally like it a lot, like because I, I mm-hmm. actually am like a religious creature. Uh and so is everybody else. But uh right. it's like no, I, I go to church like actually 
for the religion. In other words, like I go there to hear the word preached, uh, to receive the body and blood of Christ, to confess my faith along with the, the, the sinner saints to the right and left of me. Um, and these are all religious, mm-hmm. religious actions, right. That we, that we are participating in. Um, and, and this, and this is what, this is what I, I do. Like, this is, this is, this is, my, this is how my Christian life looks. Right. Um, right. And, and so I, I think there's a, there was a real pushback against that. Like, well, we don't want that. We want like a spirituality that's way more um, uh, emotionally driven. It's way, it's way more mystical than that. Right. And so like, I want to feel yeah. the things inside of me and, uh, and that's not that like feeling any stuff is bad, uh, but your feelings are fickle, man. Like there's, there, that's a bad place mm-hmm. to put, to put uh, any, any, assurance in that kind of stuff or how you feel. Uh, cause I, you know, I say, I, I confess the creed when I don't feel like it. And, uh, and I go to church and receive the body and blood of Christ when I don't feel like it, you know, uh, if I went, if exactly I went, to, right, if I went my feelings, bro, I'd be at church like twice a year. Yeah. No, I think that's helpful, Daniel. So we have a, a fairly liturgical approach to worship in our, in our context. And one thing that I remind our people every week right before our call to worship is hey as we as we move through these liturgical rhythms the aim is not to have a particular feeling or exp- or experience but rather mm-hmm. we want to be shaped we want to be shaped by these truths that that we confess we want to be shaped by the assurance of pardon that we receive after we confess our sin we want to be shaped by the lord's prayer the lord's prayer is always something that's so fascinating to me because, and I, I don't particularly have anything against this, but what's fascinating is when you see the Lord's Prayer and, you know, the disciples ask, you know, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he gives them the Lord's Prayer. And it's this short, sweet, simple prayer. And yet what we want to do is we want to preach a 12-week sermon series on the Lord's Prayer and say, well, what right. Jesus really meant was all these things. And, and, you know, to some degree, that's okay. But at the end of the day, it's like, man, can we just leave the Lord's prayer alone and just let it be the Lord's prayer. Can we, can we just really? let it be? And so I, I think that's really helpful, Daniel, to be reminded and pointed to regardless of what we feel, these are the truths that, that we confess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I love, I love too that when, when the disciples essentially asked Jesus, like, yo, if I wanted to pray a yeah, super dope prayer, uh, what would I do? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, yeah. and I've got 53 <laughs> right. words for you. It's going to take you all, yeah. of, all of 45 seconds. It's pretty great. If that. That's right. Yeah. That's right, man. Yeah. I've got a sheet in front of me that we use with our kids. Our kids are all young. We've got the, the Lord's prayer, the apostles creed and the Nicene creed on it. Like those are the things that we're learning, you know, as a, as a, as a crew back to this whole deeds, not creeds business, man. Like, when you when you even say that out loud, like Christianity is about deeds, not creeds, it's like, well, then where on earth do you think that the people in the pew are going to derive their identity from? They're going to derive mm-hmm. their identity from what they do, not what That's they right. believe, right? I mean, I remember I remember talking to a group of high school students recently. I mean, the last couple of years here, like they were most of them, I think, were professing Christians, and I asked them the question: How do you think that your peers most often misunderstand Christianity? And like to a man. They all said, well, they think that Christianity is about all this stuff that you're supposed to do and all these things that you're supposed to not do, you know, like that it's all about the do's and the, and the things that we're supposed to abstain from. And, and bro, I just appreciate 
uh, your emphasis, and this is what we're trying to emphasize here at Theocast, is that you know the creeds, the creedal faith does not give you anything to do. And people are like, well, what am I supposed to do with the creeds? And the answer you is you with. believe them. <laughs> believe it. You believe them. <laughs> you trust them, right? You you rest in what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. And um, man, I'd love to hear you even just riff on that, just like the identity issue uh, and, and what this does to people uh, when we burden them with this yoke of, of you got to be doing all these things in order to, to be legit. Yeah. Uh, well, what, what inevitably happens is that you, you, once you go with deeds, uh, not creeds, uh, the question is how much it has to be. That's right. It has exactly. to be. Exactly. Right? All right. So, yeah. uh, so I need to know how much deeds, how many, which ones, how, how well, for how long. Uh, yeah. and this, this is, I mean, this really is the never ending cycle, uh, where, uh, as soon as it becomes about what you do, uh, somebody has to come in and say and let you know, like, when is it enough? And of course, if, if you're if you're looking exactly. at the scriptures, it's never enough. Uh, That's right. You know, it never it never becomes could so, never be. Yeah, yeah. So there there can be no rest in this, right? Uh, and and so that that's that's the real danger is just that you will you will not be familiar in any way with the Jesus who says come to me and you will find rest. You will start to associate Mm -hmm. Christ with the most burdensome thing that you have ever, ever encountered. You'll be like, this this is is the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, And, and not not, and you know, people, you know, come in and be like, Jesus says it's going to be hard. He said, he says, you know, he says it's hard. (laughs) It is, it is um, in, in the sense that, um, that, this belief is even is even difficult, uh, but life is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, any way you any way you yeah. cut it, life is is difficult. Uh, and, yeah. and one of the things that's nice about about being a, in like in a in a creedal body of believers is that when I'm not so good at believing, I'm around some people who maybe are doing a little bit better, right? right. And then and maybe I'll yeah, have and maybe yeah. I'll have seasons where I'm doing a little like where I'm like my doubts yeah. are are put away. Uh, and I can help other people, right. and we're and we're confessing. You this can comfort together. others, yeah. Yeah, man, I'm talking about like the 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 people with the strongest faith and the weakest faith, all in the congregation together, confessing the same thing. We all believe the same thing, right? Uh, that and and this is good for for those who are wandering in. I can't tell you how many times, man. Like I've wandered in struggling, um, and it's good to have like I'm, you know what? This is my confession, and uh, and it doesn't say yeah. you know the creed does not say I know. You know, that's not what it says. Right. Doesn't say, say that. It yeah, says I right. believe, and like, and, and in, in right. some yeah. in some ways, you are confessing. Yeah, I trust. That, right. Yeah, you are confessing to God that that this is what I this is what I I am repeating this back to. I'm saying this to you, uh, and knowing that apart from you, man, I can't believe any of this stuff. And so half oh, the time when right. I'm confessing the creed, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like the dude who's like, I believe, help my unbelief. Right, I'm that dude right. in the so I'm like confessing like I believe in God the Father Almighty Maker of heaven and earth. Please God help me believe that, uh, and in Jesus right. Christ His, his yeah. only Son our Lord who was conceived by the you know and, and so on. And I am I and a lot of times man this is not just a confession it's a prayer that like God I'm gonna, I'm gonna I need you to help me. Uh, like yeah. I am not confessing that I that I know these things. Uh, I'm confessing that I am I believe this is a confession. Um, and right. this is what the church 
and those around me, what we have come together with this confession on our lips. And, and we know the only way that we can ever believe these things is, is if God does something in our midst, like he, he must, he right. must help us. Um, but, but it's, it's Amen. a good thing to, to repeat these things. Um, yeah. And also that way, when someone asked me or asked my daughter, um, what do you believe? I don't have to like fumble around with a bunch of words, mm-hmm. sound like an idiot that doesn't know what they believe, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I believe the Bible. Yeah. Like That's I don't right. do that kind of stuff. I, you can literally <laughs> say, right. you can say, preacher. Well, I, be- I believe what the church has That's always right. believed. Come on, preacher. You know, um, and then <laughs> yeah, tell exactly. them what it is, you know, and you can explain yeah. it. I mean, I kind of do this in that talk where, uh, I kind of go through each part and then like say like, you know, you can say it and then say, hey, and here's what this means, you know, and it's, it's not that, it's not mm-hmm. that difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, that's really helpful, man. I mean, I, I just, can you imagine, uh, I mean, they, I don't think we can even fathom this world, but can you imagine a world where, uh, where all Christians, uh, when asked what they believe, just recited the creed? I think this would have like, yeah. a, like I think the world's perception of the church would be radically different. It, it would, oh, yeah, I, it I would completely change. agree. Yeah. Well, and even if you just ask uh, maybe a smaller question, say, what is the gospel? If people would know the creed, they would be able to confess the gospel. But the problem is, th- th- what's exactly. scary is when you ask somebody, what is the gospel, what you get back. You know, just to add on what you were saying, this last week I've been, I'm going through John 17 and it's blowing up my life. My my love for Christ is is greater than it's ever been. That prayer is fantastic. And in the prayer, Jesus says to to the Father, He says, I, "These these are yours, and they they're mine. And this is how I know that they're yours and mine, because I gave them your words." And then this is what He says, "And they believed. They believed. He didn't say they obeyed. He didn't say they were faithful. As a matter of fact." The last chapter, 16, he said they were going to be unfaithful. They were all going to abandon him. They were all going to leave him. And he's still giving them assurance. And the question is, what does what is it that Jesus handed to these men? And I would say, if you can quote the Apostles' Creed, then you'll know for a fact of what that was handed down. Because these are the men who received the information from Christ. And I, I withhold my whole heart, I believe that that's what Jesus is referencing. He's not referencing they had full knowledge of everything that was going on, but they had the knowledge that was most important, that Christ is their substitute. And that's what they believed. And that's what God is. That's what God accepts and gives them assurance. Yeah. There's a fascinating fact that uh, when people hear Jesus say things like, you know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments or, Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or, or, and this sort of stuff, right. That they, they associate keep with do, but no, those two words are different. Uh, those are keep and do are not the same word. Uh, no. the, uh, not, and they're definitely not the same word in Greek. Uh, so no, it means to guard or protect. Yeah. So guard or protect, uh, to, 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 to hang on to, right. I mean, if I say to yeah. you, John, uh, mm-hmm. Hey, will, will you keep this, uh, will you keep my phone for me? I'm going to go over there. I'm not asking you to that I like to make a bunch of calls. Uh, I'm not, I'm not asking you to go, go and upgrade my phone. I'm just saying like, when I come back, I'd like you to know where this is. That's you know, right. that's, that's yeah. like, that's all I'm asking. And I yeah. think that the same is sort of true with the, with the faith where uh, we, and, and even the commands, like the thing, the thing, and even the commands, the, the, the words that you keep my words, right. The things that I have said to you, the things that I have taught you keep those. In other words, don't, don't disregard them. Don't cast them off. Don't move on to something right. else. 
the creed is a great mm-hmm. tool to do this, right? So we can say like, hey, man, I'm going to keep the word of the gospel and the message of the entirety of scriptures condensed down into this, this thing that I can remember. I'm going to keep that on my person. I'm going to know, I'm going to know that. Um, mm-hmm. This, this is, this is a, a great tool for that. Uh, instead, mm-hmm. we're like, man, he says, like, I got to keep his commandments. Uh, I don't need a creed. I better start reciting the Ten Commandments every morning and make sure I'm doing them, you know? Uh, this, yeah. this, is not, this is not at all what he's talking about. That's right. Yeah, I was, Daniel, as you were talking about just having moments of weakness where you're standing in the, in the body of, of sinner saints and you're confessing these things, uh, what came to mind was even Peter's good confession of, of who Christ is you know, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, which if that doesn't sound creedal, I don't know what does. But <laughs> what's what's incredible about that is what Jesus says right after that is, flesh and blood did yeah. not reveal this to you, but my father who is mm-hmm. in heaven. And I think just yeah. the profound comfort we can take as pastors in the fact that as we confess this faith handed down once for all for the saints, we can trust that God uses these simple means as scripture is open, as creeds are confessed, as sin is confessed, mm-hmm. as pardon is given. We can just trust that God is going to use these ordinary means. And ultimately, it's like, well, what, what saved these people? Well, not, not that they just said all the right things and they did all this, you know, quote unquote, orthodox things, but, but rather the Spirit of God uses these things to, to awaken the sinner and to apply forgiveness mm-hmm. to them. So it's just, it's, it's an incredible mm-hmm. moment in scripture that, that flesh and blood doesn't reveal these things, but my father who is in heaven, who draws men to himself. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. The, yeah. And, and what, what's also true is this is not something that the church invented. Uh, if, if you go back to Israel, I mean, Israel is a, is a sort of creedal people. Uh, and so mm-hmm. like right. they, they, yeah. they, they know what they believe by reciting uh, these, these things, yeah, absolutely. That, that, I mean, all, constantly, right? I mean, it's, uh, this yeah. is how this stuff is passed down. Uh, we've really lost that, this sort of, um, uh, and I think the part of this is like, well, all you need is just like, uh, you in the Bible. Well, so, sola scriptura does not mean you in the Bible in your closet. That's not, that's not what that means. Like, sola right. scriptura means that we pull our doctrine from scripture alone. That's what it means. Uh, right, but you, right. you and your, you and your Bible are going to do terrible damage. Uh, like that, this is, this exactly. is how this works. Uh, but what we kind of have lost once everyone knew how to read, everyone has a copy of the scriptures. You end up losing this sort of oral, oral faith passed down, uh, which I don't mm-hmm. think we were ever. I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think we were ever meant to lose this. Um, this sort of like I'm going Agreed. to pass this down to you, and now you can you can say and believe and confess these things as well. That's good. Well, there is clearly more to say. Um, I feel like I've had to cut these guys off. And uh, earlier today, I hopped on our Facebook group. For those of you that are listening and don't know, Theocast does have a Facebook group, and we use it uh, primarily for question and answering. We do not use it for bashing or cat videos. Not allowed. That's an easy way to get kicked out. Uh, (laughs) Justin's wondering why he got kicked out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but there are some great questions that came in um, in our Facebook group, and some of them were centered around maybe modern day theology that's being promoted that is goes against the creed. In other words, 
if people would pay attention to the creed, they wouldn't be promoting this kind of theology. So that I think is going to be a fun discussion that we may have. Uh, but Daniel, thank you for joining us uh, for the podcast. I know that uh, this will be a great conversation. For those of you that did not get a chance to hear Daniel's lecture, we'll put a link to that on our uh, show notes, also to his book. So we'd encourage you to uh, buy the book and then also listen to his lecture if you're kind of one of a full. And then also, I believe, is it true that the rest of the conference on the creeds is on there? Yep, it's all online. Uh, it's online? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. We'll put a awesome. link to that as well. And for those of you that are Total Access members, we're going to head over to the members podcast at this moment. If you don't know what that is, feel free to go to our website. It's just an easy way to one, support our ministry, but also get more content from Theocast. We'll see you next week.